Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We've all been there. When our frustration levels hit a certain max, when we're finally at our wit's end, when we've heard or seen enough about a particular situation, where quite frankly, if anyone were to ask us about it, all we'd want to do is complain. All of us know what that urge, that desire, that unavoidable need to complain feels like internally. And 600 years before the time of Christ, so did one of God's prophets, Habakkuk. He felt this urge, this need to complain directly to God himself. And it wasn't a whimsical complaint. He wasn't inconvenienced because a restaurant got his order wrong. He didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed one morning, a little more achy than usual. No, Habakkuk felt this need to complain because he looked out at the people of God, the people of Judah, and time and time again he saw that their society was simply crumbling in corruption, that there was violence in the streets, that the law of the land did not stand for justice but was instead perverted, that the powerful crushed the weak, the rich abused the poor, the wicked and the unrighteous, well, they seemed to prosper, while the good, the righteous, well, they only seemed to suffer. And this prophet got to his wit's end. But he's unique in that he doesn't address God's people at all. It's all a conversation between him and God, a complaint. And so he lifts his complaint to the Lord saying, O Lord, how long shall I cry to you for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, destruction, injustice, and you will not save. Does that complaint sound familiar at all? Do you know that complaint? How long, O oh Lord, are you going to allow me to just sit here suffering, especially because I'm just trying to do things the right way? How long, O oh Lord, are you going to leave me on this seemingly isolated island of faith when all around me seem to just be ignorantly and gleefully ignoring your word and what you call us to do? How long, O oh Lord, must I sit here and, and feel lonely, anxious, tired? How long must I feel inadequate? How long, O oh Lord, must this sickness be ravaging my body? How long, O oh Lord, is it going to be a weekly struggle just to, to make ends meet? And how long must I, in that pain, that frustration, that grief, that sorrow, cry out to you, call out to you, and only receive what seems to be the divine equivalent of a, a voice mailbox that has not been set up yet? Maybe you know very acutely that complaint from Habakkuk. And perhaps, maybe if that's not where you're at today, more often than we'd like to admit, we can at least sympathize, understand a little bit of where Habakkuk is coming from. That there are times where we have found ourselves, where Habakkuk found himself in his relationship with God. And so he offers up this complaint before God, and God responds. But God's first response is so unsatisfactory that in our assigned reading, it's completely skipped over. God says to Habakkuk, I've seen what's been going on and wonder and prepare to be astounded, amazed, because you're not going to believe what I'm doing even when I tell you. 
that fearsome pagan empire, the Babylonians, well, I am raising them up to come and essentially destroy my people. They will come and desecrate your homeland. They will gather for themselves captives, take your land, and God even says they will laugh as they are doing it. Quite understandably, this makes no sense to Habakkuk. Quite understandably, he gets no relief, no comfort from this. In fact, he even gets more frustrated and launches into what I can only describe technically as a prophetic hissy fit. <laughs> Saying to God, this doesn't, this doesn't help a thing. I know we're not perfect, but, but they're pagans. They're godless. You're going to gather your people up, the people of your promise, like fish in a net, to be murdered and taken away? Lord, this cure is worse than the disease. And when our reading finally picks back up, it's right at the end of that prophetic hissy fit. And you can almost imagine the posture that Habakkuk assumed as he says, you know what, God, I'm going to be like a, a watch guard on a tower. And I'm going to wait to see how you can possibly respond to that complaint. How you can possibly justify using Babylon, this pagan nation, to execute justice and judgment on your people, scattering them. And I can't wait to see what my answer to that response is going to be. And so God gives Habakkuk a second answer to his second complaint, where he says to him, write this down, Habakkuk. Write down this vision. I'm about to show you something whose subject matter, it deals with a very appointed time. Write it down in plain letters so that a herald could take it and proclaim it throughout the nations. It will witness to what I will do, the Lord, about the end of all things. And it will not lie. It will not fail. And if it seems slow, Habakkuk, wait for it. Wait for it. And it will surely come. It will not miss. It will not be late. It will come to fruition at a very specific time. And be careful, Habakkuk. For the unrighteous man, his soul is puffed up, is bloated. His soul is no longer upright. But the righteous man, the righteous man lives by his faith. What an answer. What an answer. If it seems slow, Habakkuk, wait. You're wondering how long, O oh Lord? Wait. We hate waiting. And if you don't want to admit it, I at least will. I hate waiting. I hate being patient. And I know as a pastor, I'm not supposed to dislike any of the fruits of the Spirit, but deep down, I really wish Paul would have just skipped over that one when it came to the Galatian church. We're even reading a book right now where they've done studies in the last five, six years that have shown humans have the attention span of about eight seconds. We all hate to wait. And yet, patience is what God calls Habakkuk to, waiting patiently in faith. And it was for Habakkuk, as it is so often for us, quite frankly, a struggle. After all, we do want that solution now. We want the problem fixed yesterday. <laughs> We want it done on our terms and certainly by our timeline. And yet, as we read Habakkuk, we are reminded that as much as maybe I or you would want it to be to the contrary, waiting is a part of faith. 
Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Trusting without seeing what seems to be evidence going to God's promises, that's actually a part of faith. Patience in God's timing, patience in God's will, patience in God's deliverance, patience even in God's salvation. That's a part of our faith. And see, Habakkuk's complaint before God is like what our complaints so often are. They're not an exercise in a lack of faith, but from a place of faith. Habakkuk didn't doubt God was there or that God was in control. Habakkuk simply wanted to know, God, why haven't you acted yet? God, why are you doing this the way you are doing it? And to be fair, who could reasonably understand God's response, his first response to Habakkuk? Well, I'm using Babylon, the pagans, the merciless, the ruthless. And we don't know a lot about Habakkuk after this point, but very likely he witnessed that destruction, that desecration of his homeland. Saw friends, maybe even relatives, taken into captivity and perhaps even killed. And yet God did not lie. Behold, he was doing something remarkable, something wonderful, something astounding. And Babylonians wouldn't be the last wicked people he'd use to make that happen, to truly deliver his people, to bring salvation to his people. I think there's perhaps a more profound truth in that first response to Habakkuk than we like to think. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing something amazing in your midst, and you wouldn't believe it even if you were told. See, some 600 years after Habakkuk, once again, some corrupt religious leaders, idolatrous politicians, wicked people, would execute a blameless, a righteous, an innocent man. An execution that in a moment looked like such a dark day that the last bit of hope for God's people had gone extinct. A day that seemed so dark that even this man's closest friends, relatives, disciples, who promised they'd follow him anywhere, cowered away in fear in an upper room. But as God told Habakkuk, just wait. And sure enough, three days later, when some friends went to go and further anoint this man's body, they got to an empty tomb and were told, why do you look for Jesus of Nazareth? He is no longer here. He has risen just as he said. And we are reminded that in that empty tomb, in that resurrection, in the promise of the Holy Spirit, in his gifts of word and sacrament, baptism, his own body and blood, in the Lord's Supper, in his promise to return, in his promise of the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom that has no end, God was doing in Habakkuk's day, and God is still doing today, everything that needs to be done to bring his children into his promised glory for them, into his salvation for them, even when it doesn't appear in front of our eyes just so clear. One of the most remarkable things about Habakkuk is the last chapter. It's Habakkuk's response to God's second response. And he starts it with a prayer, a prayer that concludes, I, I will wait quietly for that day. But then he adds in after that prayer three short verses that speak to what it truly means 
to live a life by faith, in faith, saying, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and the herds not be in their stalls. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. For it is God the Lord who is my strength. We are reminded in reading Habakkuk, we are reminded in the words of God to this prophet, in the words of Christ to his disciples, that we are called to live lives by faith. And that means we embrace every moment. The good days, and even those days we're left asking that question, the complaint lodged by Habakkuk, how long, O Lord, is this going to continue? That even in those days that seem rotten, we trust in a loving God, one who brings us promises so that we can confess things like, I consider the present sufferings not worth comparing to the future glory that is to be revealed. By faith, we stand on a, on a sure foundation that even when the things of this world seem crumbling around us, even when the things of our life may seem like they're, they're crumbling around us, well, it's a foundation that does not shake. It does not teeter. It does not fail. And as God told Habakkuk, it does not lie. That we live by faith in Christ, even when our earthly treasures or maybe even our own earthly lives seem like a disaster. Yes, truly, the righteous one shall live by faith. Not the success of our worldly endeavors, not the state of our nation, not the righteousness of our society, and certainly not the righteousness of our own actions. No, you and I are given a life by God to live by faith and in faith alone. Clothed not with our, our own righteousness, our own good deeds, our own actions, or the actions of those around us, but clothed entirely in Christ's righteousness. And at times, when you live by faith, it means there are tough questions that we bring forth to God. There are even, perhaps, complaints, times where we say, how long, O oh Lord, must I cry out to you? But it also means that even in those days, you still live by that faith, that trust, and the promises God has for his children. It is by faith that we live in the promises of his word. By faith that we trust in his will, and we trust in his ways, even when they are not our ways. That no matter how dark or, or frustrating a situation might get, no matter how impatient we might get with God, we are, to remind it, we are reminded by Habakkuk that it is by faith we have been given a great life, a great gift, a great promise of life everlasting. And a great reminder that, well, if it seems like God is working too slow, stand in that foundation of faith and wait. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.